0: Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast.
1: Where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature.
0: Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York.
1: We are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill.
0: Episode 71, Supernatural Herbs, Supplements, and Lifestyle with Rochelle Robinette. Rochelle is a New York City-based herbalist and entrepreneur. She focuses on education in her practice, helping people to craft a healthy lifestyle and navigate the wild world of herbs and supplements. We talk about techniques like intermittent fasting, the role of supplements, what adaptogens are and how they can help, and how to find balance in a busy and productive lifestyle and taking care of yourself. If you'd like to support this podcast and gain access to exclusive content then hop on over to patreon.com slash plant cunning and sign up there. Well, I hope you enjoy the episode.
1: So today on the Plant Cunning Podcast, we are super excited to have herbalist Rochelle Robinette on the show. How are you today, Rochelle? I'm great. Thanks. Super excited to be here. Yeah. So um, we have a traditional first question, and it's how did you come to the plant path?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I think... So I think I, I found myself on it, you know, I was on it long before I realized that I was on it. Uh, You know, I, I grew up in an environment that was very plant forward, you know, from a food standpoint, from an environment standpoint, from kind of my parents' teachings and, you know, very, in a very straightforward way, I grew up on a farm. So I was just surrounded by, nature and a garden and animals and the elements and, you know, all these things that are really um, deeply integrated in who I am now. And then, you know, long story short, which I know we'll get more into, um, you know, I, I kind of came back to it as my work. And I realized at some point I I realized how deeply integrated these things were and that they were very much a part of me and, um, and that they wanted out and also that the world wanted them. And so it was just sort of, you know, coming together of, you know, me coming out about being so, uh, basically obsessed with all of this. And, um, you know, that was the point at which supernatural was born. So I've really just been on the path. And I think I didn't, you know, recognize that until farther along.
1: Yeah, totally. If you grew up with it, you're just surrounded by plants and working with plants. Was it like a veggie farm or was it animals? Yeah. So we, so my dad's
2: family were ranchers, so they were just legitimate cowboys, um, all the way through like his dad and his brother still did that. Um, and my dad wanted to replicate some of that for us. So he bought a big 60 acre farm out in Washington state and it was an old dairy farm. So there were all the like barns and um, kind of set up to have um, cows and and we had cows and horses and chickens and pigs and all the things for us. Um, we, as a family of seven, it was a little bit more of like a family personal project. Like We didn't produce for you know, the neighborhood or anything. Granted, we gave away a lot of, a lot of produce,
1: Um,
2: (laughs) but I would say it was like a hybrid, you know, um, animal stock and garden farm, but mostly just for the family.
0: Yeah. Like a homestead type thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, you mentioned your business is supernatural. Um,
1: We love that name. Yeah,
0: that's great. (laughs) So what, what is it? What, uh, what, what kind of herbalist are you? What do you do?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I've never really strictly sort of class, classified myself as a particular type of herbalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's partly because I didn't come into it. Like I came into it kind of backwards or how I was describing it before, you know, I was like, oh, this is sort of what I am already. Um, and now I need to study more around it to really be able to provide people with good, you know, services and education. Uh, But I would say I mostly fit the bill as a Western clinical herbalist or fit the definition of Western clinical herbalist. Um, And in terms of Supernatural, it's now a lot of pieces. You know, when I started, it was primarily just um, private practice, lots of education. So lots and lots of events and a product line and all that has grown now. And there's still a little bit of private practice, still lots of education, but now it's you know more online classes. Product line, online store, like all the pieces have really grown and grown. Mm. Um, but I would say that, you know, at the heart of it, education about how to be healthier with plants mm-hmm. has always been primary and still is primary. So, mm. yeah.
0: So, speaking of education, uh, who were some of your herbal mentors and teachers?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm surprised, actually, no one's really asked me that before. Um, you know, my parents are definitely first. Mm-hmm. You know they taught me things that I still use today and um, that I teach today and, and things that are really, you know, again, kind of deeply integrated in, into the way I just sort of see the world. Uh, and of course, I have to I have to mention nature as a teacher. Yeah. You know, yeah. you obviously know how that goes. Yeah. Um, and I think being young and in the silence of, um, or not even the silence, but just kind of the expanse of nature, you know, there was a lot that happened there in terms of developing a relationship and learning how to listen and feel mm-hmm. that again is still really um, important to me. Um, I've studied... Sort of traditionally studied most with David Winston and Thomas Easley mm-hmm. um, those I would say that they're my primary like herbalist teachers mm-hmm. and um, and uh, I really I really resonate with their style you know I think there are so many different styles I've taken a ton of different classes with so many different people so all of them have Im- impacted me in certain ways and sometimes it's knowing what I don't resonate with and do resonate with, but those two have been some of my my, my favorite teachers to to really go deep with. I would say, um, and then I also feel like I've learned a lot from colleagues in the space. So you know, I'm obviously running very much a, a business at this point, and the business aspects of it, I learned a lot by doing, but also by working for other businesses in the space, like Anima Mundi Herbals. Wooden spoon herbs, um, the Alchemist Kitchen, and these places that you know I worked for them to help them grow their business in order to learn how to grow my own too. Oh, cool! Um, so yeah, and then I guess the last one that came to mind is is to all of the community, you know, just yeah. like just the face to face, or you know, now it's digital, but. I, I think I've probably learned the most from the questions that people ask and from working one-on-one with people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Cause a lot of times people will present some, you know, health concern that is sort of new to you. And then that's your job to like help them do the research and figure out what fits. And so you're learning that process for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So how did you uh, start supernatural and like, how did that come to be? As yeah. A thing. You
1: mentioned working for some of these other herbal companies. Is that how it kind of began for you?
2: Yeah. So, you know, it started, um, actually by my writing about the wellness and health industry. Um, I was writing about what I was learning. So it started out as a blog really back when blogs were how things started. <laughs> um, yeah there was this moment where I was like this, you know, like I had, I had often described it as, as coming out of the closet about the way that I really was. And so I started writing about that. I was like, I just, you know, I'm working with this herb. I'm making this thing. This is what it looks like. I'm going to a hypnotherapy session. I'm going to a sound bath. Like it was, those things were still a little more novel at that time. It was like hard to find and not super trendy. And so I was going and, you know, sleuthing these things out and then writing about them. And, um, it, that became the platform that I started to build out. Um, and then, you know, I just started to, people started to ask me to coach them, you know, and my private practice, uh, grew totally organically just from one person after another and then referrals and it becoming, you know, to the point where, you know, at this point, I'm not taking new clients. There's months, you know, month long, months long wait lists, that kind of thing. Um, So that was really organic. And I would say all of the business was, was very organic. You know, at some point early on, I decided to start to sell the products that I was making, you know? And so that grew into a product line Uh, and all the while, yes, to your, to your question, I was working with a bunch of different companies in the space which was helping me fund, you know, my new venture and also learn what it's like to develop a wholesale strategy or what it's like to, you know, do whatever you have to do, which yeah. is all these different things. <laughs> so it was a, it was a long, you know, uh, long process. It was partly organic and, um, and just uh, very memorable <laughs> there's no like start point you know this just all it's all a phase sounds <laughs> yeah.
0: super natural totally. yeah totally
1: totally <laughs> natural. Yeah. yeah so I'm curious you mentioned your like Q&As and you learned a lot from you know people asking you questions and I think it's really cool that you offer is it like a weekly Q&A or pretty frequent right yeah yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. on your Instagram. Um, so I'm curious if there's been any themes or like common health concerns or things that people bring up over and over again, like, have you noticed any general health themes? Maybe there's like a global pandemic going on, but like Mm -hmm. just in general, maybe outside of that too, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's at this point, there are very clear pillars. I would say that people mm-hmm. are asking about, and that's actually, you know, where I developed my classes from and the things that we offer come out of these like FAQs. Right. So most commonly I get asked about, um, in no particular order. I think these are just kind of the top, uh, hormone balance, um, stress and anxiety, relief, sleep, digestive health and gut, you know, health issues, Uh, sort of brain health, energy, longevity. And then um, after that, it would probably be, you know, kind of weight loss and and metabolism related questions. Uh, Fertility, herb safety is huge. I feel like I'm being asked more about herb safety right now than ever before. And maybe that's a good thing because it means that more and more people are like wanting to use the herbs and they're being cognizant of how they interact. But I feel like, that's the question right now. And then there are phases, right? Like adaptogens was a moment. It still it still is. But you know, everybody wanted to know about the details of adaptogens or CBD. Yeah. Mm, those yeah. kind of those health <laughs> pillars are the, the main that just continue to, you know, come up. So
0: cool. And Very
1: skin. It's cool. yeah. mm. real,
0: it's really interesting. I mean, you get to to see all these questions coming in and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really cool to, to to hear from my perspective like what what's what's coming up
2: yeah. You know? yeah yeah and it makes me wonder you know like I have a community that I have and it, mm-hmm. my community is not representative of everybody's community so it's interesting to me that I have these themes and like would they cross over with the themes that you'd hear you know if yeah. you did do a weekly you know Q&A or something like that
1: so yeah yeah yeah. I mean, I do a weekly farmer's market and so I get a lot <laughs> of that and I've been doing it since, well, not this one market, but I've been doing farmer's markets since like 2012. So I feel like you get a lot of common questions with just being the herbalist in public. That's like, Hey, person who knows about herbs, like, Oh yeah. So I think there, that that's pretty common for me. Like well, the pillars that you just mentioned, I'd say are pretty common to the community of the farmers. market. Yours as well. yeah. 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 Very common. Yeah, that's cool to hear. Yeah. And then we wanted to ask you too, in sort of the same vein of like common health themes, if there's some certain herbs in your practice that you like can't live without that are just like, these are the ones that I have to restock all the time, whether it's teas or glycerides or tinctures, like are there are certain herbs that you are using a lot in your practice.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, The first, I mean, the first herb, when we think about it this way, I guess it does get to be classified as an herb, but it, it's really, it's food first, is one of the things that I always am working with. Um, sort of annoying I think in that aspect that everybody (laughs) they're like what's the herb for x and like we have to talk about food first but you know food first of course I don't sell food so you know that one doesn't sell out but (laughs) um, if I could I would Um, I'd be at the farmer's market like go over there first and then come back over here yeah totally (laughs) um so but but other than that you know it is very much aligned with those pillars so like i would say probiotics and digestive bitters are huge uh like anything in the gut health category um i wouldn't say you know we don't do a whole lot with single herbs so it tends to be the blends you know like a tea blend or the tincture blend and um you know, something like a stress relief blend. So like the nerve less tea is probably my best seller ever. And that's also our gummies, right? Like the nerve less, um, gummies, those are, that's such a classic blend that I think does sell, you know, always the best. And then, um, after that, it might be sleep, like a sleep blend or something for focus. So, you know, the Nervines and, um, some sedatives for sleep and then something for focus but i yeah i I guess there's not there aren't singles that i could really point to but
1: yeah because you mostly do the formulas but yeah definitely Mm. the nervine brain function
0: yeah yeah Yeah. the the biggest problems coming up for you
1: yeah yeah
2: exactly
0: what about for you personally like what are your like indispensable herbal allies
2: yeah Yeah. So let's see. So I'm, I'm big on the mood supports. Mm. Um, this has been just like a story of my life, kind of understanding brain chemistry and mood balance and the, you know, those fluctuations, like finding a happy place with that. So, um, I found a lot of relief with, um, or support from Mukuna prurian along with a blend that I have. That's a, it's a Chinese skull cap um L-theanine, uh, panax and 5-HTP. So it's a blend of like some of the supplements and then some of the herbs. Those together really phenomenal. I'm huge into herbal bitters as well. Like all day long just drinking herbal bitters. I think I think that helped me, you know, improve my absorption function which helped my iron levels come up. I was like a lifelong anemic before I was plant-based and then I became plant-based but had this happening and like using, you know, ashwagandha and bitters um, because of iron content in ashwagandha, you know, I think that's been helpful. Ashwagandha is, is one of my faves. And like lavender, I'm an, mm. I love lavender. It's so, <laughs> like, I don't really use, you know, I use CBD for some other purposes, but for chill. Um, mm. lavender is just my jam. It's yeah. so, and it's so powerful. And I think people are <laughs> just like, well, it's so basic. Like I know that one, it's not going to be powerful, but man, I love that plant. So yeah. yeah, there's, there's a lot in the rotation, but I would say those are like also kava. I'm a big fan of kava. Oh, yeah. So they're all kind of the same vein, right? It's all like, yeah. "Yeah." (laughs) (laughs) Like, those are the ones I travel with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: Cool. I guess guess
0: it makes, like, it depends on, like, your particular, you know, situation. Like, you probably need some more chill stuff. Yeah. I I, I also need some chill stuff, but sometimes I need some, like, you know, stimulating.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I run really high. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, we, we, happy hour is big <laughs> <laughs> herbal happy hour
0: totally we, we've been doing a lot of uh interviews uh on like energetics lately and like on mm. understanding like the each individual's body system and like how that kind of changes you know you can't give two hot herbs to somebody who's too hot you know but you know, it really depends on on what what the individual is dealing with. I think, mm-hmm. but bitters yeah. are always, bitters seem to be good for a lot. Like especially when digestion is is such a inter, integral part of health. And American, you know, food is not necessarily the best. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you get a lot. You can you can use those bitters and see so many different you know systems improve because mm-hmm. the guts. Yeah, it's true.
0: Yeah. What are some of your favorite bitters? Like do you like more aromatic bitters or more like just bitter bitters or.
2: Uh, it depends on if it's for me or if it's for mm. clients. I feel like aromatic bitters, um, something that's that's still palatable because you want to be, you know, taking them and tasting them. Uh, I end up going with like orange peel, cinnamon, gentian, um maybe some clove artichoke ginger like that realm mm. uh it depends though i i end up i really like herb farms bitters um so it's like i have some that i've made i'll use herb farm or um what's the urban moonshine you know yeah yeah yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah they make some tasty ones mm. Yeah, so um, I, we should get into uh, food as medicine. Yeah, it seems to be like the main
0: yeah. part of
1: <laughs> Yeah, totally. So you, I've noticed on your Instagram, are just a huge advocate of food as medicine and like eating a rainbow and like getting all of these like mineral rich, you know, foods in your diet, as well as kind of avoiding some of the mainstream American diet. So I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit about your experience with food just in general. Um, you mentioned growing up on a farm a little bit already, but just like, have you always, you know, had a relationship with food as medicine or how has that developed for you?
2: Yeah, I think that I, I, I probably have always had a relationship with food as medicine. Though again, like with herbalism, didn't really realize it. Like I think I have been taught from such an early age that what we eat and drink and even take in through our senses is going to affect our experience of life. That that is pretty inseparable for me. So you know, if you're you know seeing light, eating a thing, drinking a thing, like I just I do am aware of how that's going to impact me or somebody else. Um, So then in that sense, you know, yes, thinking of it as medicinal, um, but, you know, I, well, not, but, and, you know, I grew up eating fairly differently than I do now. You know, I, I meat. my, my family was very much about, you know, protein at every meal and meat and milk and. Um, you know, we didn't eat processed food. It was like, a, it was like a treat to have, you know, occasionally like we would go to McDonald's as a drive through or like have a, you know, pop at the movies or something like that. But, um, it wasn't part of, you know, the home on a regular basis. So it was a treat. And I think we understood kind of the implications of having that as a special occasion versus all the time. Um, and the emphasis was very much on food that is from, you know, earth, like, pulling it out of the dirt, understanding that it was something that was grown or where it came from and it not being packaged or processed. So my dad fished a lot and having beautiful, you know, quality fish was always a big thing. And it's still something that, you know, I've been plant based for a long time, but, um, when I have, I, so I've gone through phases where I've been more strict or less strict. And if I'm less strict then um, beautiful fish is, one of my absolute favorite things to have. Um, and I think it's really hard to, you know, for me to argue against that from a, from a health standpoint. Um, so yeah, I've always understood kind of the value of it and of it being whole food, I would say, right. Whole kind of natural food. Um, and then I became plant-based as an experiment actually after a retreat, I went on a, on a raw food retreat. It was raw food, yoga, and I was like, this is incredible. I want to live this way. And <laughs> um, I also thought it's not possible because I lift weights. I run, I train heavy. Mm-hmm. I will, I'm already anemic. I will waste away. This is not going to work, uh-huh. but I'm going to try it. Cause I was like, I'm also big on like direct experience and just trying things. So yeah. tried it. Um, and first I tried it where I did with supplemental protein and then I tried it where I didn't supplement protein. And then I replaced all my grains and legumes and like, I don't know, it's been like eight years now and I'm just like loving life. So, and all my, Very my cool. macro, my nutrient levels are better. So, um, you know, you got to do it right if you're going to do plant-based, but anyway, yeah. back to the original question. Yeah. I think, um, I think I have a, a relationship with food that, I'm very grateful for. Um, and mine is more, I think my personal routine just like my routine with herbs and supplement supplements, and also with fitness tends to be more extreme than I would expect most of my clients to be. And so I don't, I don't expect that like, you know, people will do as, as I do, but I'm also out here learning things and experimenting with things and kind of pushing it to the edge a little bit so that I can have some kind of understanding to bring back to people. Um, so, you know, just to say that, like, I don't, you know, even if I'm eating plant-based, it doesn't mean that my clients have to be, or that everybody has to be totally vegan or, you know, all these things. So there's some flexibility there, but
0: yeah, it seems like, again, going back to individual, uh, like everyone has their own individual, you know, likes and dislikes and body size, temperament, like all these kind of things like the doshas and yeah. so people, you know, I, I you know, I, I was a vegan for a while and a vegetarian for a while, and it didn't really work for me so much, but I can see what it can, you know, it was definitely valuable to do for me, mm-hmm. and um I can see how I, people thrive on it,
1: you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, yeah.
1: I had a question. Um, so if you have a client that um, is is you know, eating problematic foods or things that you think may be causing problems with them, like whether it's like an uh, inflammatory food like dairy or something like that. Um do you have suggestions on like how to help them move away from the dairy and like how do you walk someone through these like big life changes yeah. with changing their diet it's like a touchy subject you know Yeah
2: <laughs> Yeah you're right it is and it's also it's also really exciting because because it's so like it can be so transformative that it really can just change people's lives so i would say thankfully if somebody is asking me that they, they probably want to change, even if it's just a tiny, tiny little bit, like even if they're just receptive. And one of my intake questions is like, how receptive are you changing your food versus your lifestyle versus your supplement routine? And rarely do I get somebody who's like, I don't want to change my food. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right. It's touchy. And so I will generally go slow. And we'll do one change at a time, and we do replacements instead of eliminations. So Mm -hmm. you're never feeling like you're having these things taken away from you. And um, I aim for the change that's going to create the greatest amount of change um, with the least amount of effort, because as soon as somebody feels better, sees the change in their skin, their sleep, whatever it is, then you know, it opens up the floodgates of like, what can we do next? I want to do more. I'm motivated, you know, so in those ways, and, and then again, like sticking with, you know, I'll stick with people long enough to make sure that these changes are staying in place. So there's not a, you know, a rebound or a fall off and they, they really are lifelong if people want them to be lifelong. Um, And then, you know, one change after another can become a total transformation or just a little, you know, a little adjustment, whatever somebody needs. Uh, but, uh, oftentimes I find that people never want to go back to the way that they were, you know, before, because they probably, you know, weren't feeling well and that's why they came to see me in the first place. But yeah, it's, I would say gradual one at a time. And then, and then making sure there's a ton of support. So like, not only did we not, we didn't just take dairy away, but we replaced it with something and we gave you like five alternatives, you know? So if you're like, I don't want this replacement, well, then I have all these other things to choose from too. So
1: you come away with more options as opposed to less. That's brilliant. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Just changing that framework in those words of like, you know, feeling like you're without this comfort food that you've had since a child, you know, mama's yeah. mac and cheese or whatever it is. And yeah. <laughs> talking to and- <for> myself. <laughs> <laughs> I get it.
2: Mine was mine was lasagna. I was so I uh-huh. was such a pasta fan.
1: Uh-huh. Um
2: yeah, and there's also like you know, sometimes in the, in the one-on-one session, sometimes it can start to feel a little bit like therapy and I don't, you know, that's not what I, what I do. And I don't claim to, you know, claim to want to try to get into that territory, but we'll talk about the comfort, you know, and Mm -hmm. what makes you feel good now versus, you know, later. and, And there's a lot of there are a lot of, just like with, with herbs, you know, we have to understand that, like that emotional relationship and all of the psychology that we get, um, wrapped up around the way that we feel and the way that we look and what we consume. And so that, that definitely comes up too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Th-
0: that thing about real re- remembering how you felt <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like for me, sugar is the worst thing, mm-hmm. you know? And I like, if I I'll, Eat something that's too much sugar. I'll feel good immediately, and then later I'll have too much, you know, fire in my stomach. (laughs) And then I'm like, "Why did I do that?" You know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But
0: sometimes it's worth it. But (laughs) (laughs)
2: every once in a while, yeah, yeah, I hear that.
0: (laughs) But yeah, helping people. Yeah, remember remember that and then having options I think is really mm-hmm. crucial mm-hmm. another thing that you talk about in regards to like uh, food as medicine is also the absence of food as medicine right? the absence <laughs> of intermittent fasting that's something yeah. that I've, I've we've both experimented with a lot and we kind of have a basically you know we don't eat before 11 or after 8 you know and oh. it, that's pretty great um and, but so what is intermittent fasting? how did you get into it and how can it, you know, help people?
2: Yeah, well, you're on the same exact schedule that I'm on. So oh, nice. <laughs> <I feel. laughs> yeah, it's a good one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, it's funny. I actually learned about intermittent fasting on that same retreat that I mentioned, the raw, um, raw yoga it was, it was a great retreat and, um, and I've been practicing it ever since um, about 15, 16 hours, you know, uh, and, you know, flexing it as needed with travel or whatever else. But the longer you do it, the easier it gets at this point. Like I, I wouldn't want to try to eat sooner than that, or, you know, it's just becomes very very natural. Um, and man, it's good for so many things, you know, it's, it's like, just to kind of continue on our, our previous point from a psychological standpoint for, and I guess it has to be prefaced with the caveat that, if somebody has a disordered relationship with eating, then any kind of food restriction, like, you know, fasting is uh, maybe not a good idea or definitely needs to be, you know, reconsidered. So it's not just blanket, you know, good for everybody, but um, otherwise from a health standpoint, it can be very beneficial. And from, the sort of emotional or, you know, psychological standpoint of just giving us a little bit of freedom to be without food for a while is really helpful. You know, we're in such a society that is like eating all the time, snacking all the time, really just kind of dependent of having, dependent on having food around us all the time that to just take a break can be a cognitive, you know, relaxation. Um liberation even. And, uh, and then functionally, you know, it's, it's so helpful for digestion and, um, kind of cognitive function and cognitive clarity, longevity from a, you know, again, from a sort of a neurological standpoint, but also for me, I think the, the most compelling benefit is the cellular cleanup that you're getting when you're not eating you know, it's It's the same as when we're sleeping, right. Our brains are like going in and going to do cleanup time, you know, cleanup and consolidation. I think for me that, that autophagy or autophagy, um, is, is probably the most compelling and makes the most sense to you get it right away. You're like, what, what's it good for? Well, if you take a break, then your body gets to go in and like cleanups, you know, from a cellular cellular standpoint, um, you know, there's also blood sugar balancing benefits and the list is pretty long. Like if you're doing exercise, when you're in a fasted state, you're getting more benefits from that as well. Like it's, it's good. It's good. And I mean, I'm sure there's probably some argument about this maybe, but I I think it's very natural too. our bodies are meant to fast and feast, you know? So,
0: yeah. When you think about like our ancestors, you know, hunting something like you gotta run and catch it. You're hungry, you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's a snack before you <laughs> workout. Right. Yeah.
0: You're, yeah. you're hungry. But like I've also seen like people say like intermittent fasting like eating within you know eight hours or nine hours um is is a good way to do it every day or like fasting for one day.
1: Mm. And Mm -hmm. like
0: some people have, you know, like for me, it's a little, like I've done multi-day fasts and that kind of stuff. uh, But it, it definitely is more uh, intense than Mm -hmm. like, like intermittent fasting is easy, really. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. you're just like not eating for a period of time. You get a little hungry, but you're not like when you're fasting for like multi-day, like multiple days, you're
1: like, it's like, it's like distracting. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's like more therapeutic right? When you do those longer fasts. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good distinction. And there are different fasts, right? For people with different comfort levels or schedules. And, um, I think ours is like the 16, eight may call it something like that. Uh, and if somebody's starting out, I don't generally recommend that they start for, with a 16 hour fast, just, you know, see if you are doing 12 or 14 naturally already and kind of work your way up from that. Um, and then I, I do feel like for me, even after all this time, like I wouldn't go longer than 16 hours on a regular basis. Like that's pretty long. So, but yeah, you know, I aspire to do those longer fasts, um, like you're talking the the multi-day and stuff or, and uh, it's just not something that's in my routine, but it's always on my list to like, get that in like seasonally or something
0: like that. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, even just one day is pretty, <laughs> can be hard for me. I know yeah. some people that they're just like, you know, they're kind of built more so that way they could do. You know, people forget to days. eat just because they're like yeah. working
1: all day and they're like, oh, I didn't do that eating yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, that's well, not that's me. me. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I do not forget. But I guess one of the
0: first ways somebody can get into intermittent fasting is just like not have midnight snacks
1: you know, yeah. like not
0: eat any snacks after dinner. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just stop
1: when dinner's done. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And so we also wanted to ask you a little bit about supplements. Are there certain supplements that you feel like are good for most people to have, whether it's like a vitamin D or something like that, where, you know, we're often just nutrient- deficient in certain things that you find and we need to actually supplement? Like when is food not enough? I guess. Mm.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm not too big on everybody needing a certain supplement. I know some, uh, some like functional medicine practitioners and probably herbalists are, I feel like maybe you see that more in the functional med- medicine space where it's like, everyone needs D and a multi. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not, not my approach. And I, I feel like I don't know. I think I feel like we there's already so many things that we like want to do and take and add into our routine that I like to recommend that people get their blood work done and understand where their levels are. And then if you're deficient in something, you need to supplement for it, like eat for it, also do the bitters so that you absorb things better and supplement for it. And then if you get your levels up to a certain point and they can stay there with just your good digestion and your food again, maybe you can stop that supplement. Um, you know, would it be great if everybody did take a multi, I mean, yes, but if you're just asking someone, you know, to take a multi, um, and it just, I think it just goes back to my earlier point of like, I feel like we ask a lot of, of people in general. And so to, to keep it really focused and personalized in terms of supplements is, is most productive. Now I am a big fan of supplements. Um, I use about as many supplements. I probably use more herbs than I use supplements, but for me, it's interchangeable in terms of what somebody needs. If it's, you know, if somebody needs iron, we might be talking about a supplement form. It might be an herbal form. Um, I mean, obviously vitamin D is coming from supplement and from, you know, lifestyle practices. But, um, if somebody comes to me with like a mood situation, I'm, I'm considering the herbs and the supplements all in the same, you know, same place, I guess. And Mm -hmm. like I mentioned, one of my favorites is a blend. And I think I really do like, this does represent my approach. Um, I like companies that are blending, like nutraceuticals and, and supplements with herbs mm. um, a lot of times, you know, like a traditional formula that's like added with some supplement, you know, mm-hmm. additions. Uh, and I think that kind of represents how I approach this too, which is like, we have a lot of traditional and historic knowledge and we also have new information. Let's work with both. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So cool yes and no ish
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah not you're you're focusing on individuals which I think does yeah make sense. so there's yeah
0: it also makes sense I mean as far as like getting enough nutrients in your diet and yeah. then being able to absorb them mm. that's kind of the yeah. first step really and seeing what you are deficient in that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense do you find that people are often deficient in stuff or like <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah. Like, I mean, D, you know, which yeah. came up D is super common, um, magnesium, yeah, uh, iron sometimes the B I feel like there's more concern about B12 than I actually see B12 mm. deficiencies. Maybe mm. that was like, that was like an older thing. Um, what else like thyroids, you know, thyroid related, uh, levels iodine or something, um, omega balance tends to be off a lot, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I would say those are, those are probably the major ones that are, those are coming to mind. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. and, And just so our, our listeners are mostly, you know, I think know a lot about herbs in general, but, um, you're saying the importance of bitters is partly also to help digest those nutrients, right?
2: To, to, yeah. To improve our, our ability to digest and absorb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's an important thing. (laughs) Yeah. You're
2: right. Yeah. I mean, and even to, even to go one more level deep one, one level deeper, that would be that the digestive bitters are helping with the, the stomach acid balance, right. So that we can do our own digesting and absorbing just like, that's the kind of the mechanism, right? Like they're improving our um, gastric juices and ability to do what our body naturally does, but doesn't tend to do well in like modern you know day microbiomes. Yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, you can hypothetically improve your iron levels. Like I think I did just by using herbal bitters and absorbing it better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you also meant mentioned ashwagandha before, which I actually, I had no idea that it was, um, it was high in iron you said yeah so yeah i was just reminded of this recently
2: i agree i i usually just use it for the you know adaptogenic and and cortisol and stuff like that but the so if you use the um ground root and you consume the whole ground root then you're getting it as an iron support as Mm -hmm. well if you're just using the tincture you're just getting the the benefits of Mm -hmm. um the plant in the other ways but yeah mm. so i do both now so i get a little of the iron and then a little of the.
0: i think we mainly it. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah so you'd be getting less of the, the iron yeah. but all the you know other benefits
1: yeah but that would be cool to blend some out because we have some dried from last year that we grew and uh we've been making a mushroom powder uh mm. that's like we Decoct and then dehydrate the sludge, and then grind it up again, and add that to smoothies or you know O-meal, oatmeal or, or yeah. something like nice. that. So adding a little bit of ashwagandha and that, like, my body responds really well to ashwagandha. And I wonder if it's also because I have like some low iron issues. So yeah, ashwagandha is such a good friend, and I'm I love learning like new aspects of these plants that you've known for years, and you're like, yeah. oh, good idea you were helping yeah. me in that way too buddy <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love that
1: That's great we did mention adaptogens multiple times and I don't know if we've talked about adaptogens on this show so I was wondering mm. if you could maybe explain what adaptogens are and <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it's like trending down but like you <laughs> should definitely like cover some of those bases yeah yeah totally so um my my kind
2: of quick spiel on adaptogens is that, you know, of course there are thousands and thousands of medicinal plants and they are categorized based on how they affect us. Um, and one of the categories, there are many, many, many categories. One of the categories is, you know, adaptogens and there are a couple, a couple dozen. I mean, that makes it sound like a lot. There's, there's not more than, you know, a couple dozen plants that are, in the adaptogen category. And by definition, those plants, those herbs are non-toxic, normalizing, and what is the other one? It's another N. I always do this. Non-toxic, normalizing, and... Nerve? I'll come to in a second. What's that?
1: Nutritive?
2: No. Non-toxic. Normalizing. I'll get it in a second. It always comes later. And then um they work through the HPA axis in the brain. Um, Let's See, it just (laughs) likes to wait. It's like you want us to be out here. Um so what I think is interesting about that definition is that it, it is, you know, it's very it's accurate, but it's also a little different than what I think the marketing around adaptogens is, which is like adaptogens make you, you know, impervious to stress. And actually they're normalizing. Right. So they're helping your body to return to homeostasis, to normalcy, to balance, to have a normal response to stress, not no response to stress, not you know, superhuman, but like normal. And um, non-specific is also very interesting because it is again general and holistic and like the entire organism as opposed to these other herbs like St. John's wort, which is a very specific, right? you know, antidepressant herb also has, you know, some nerve benefits, but like very specific actions, uh, very specific system, Mm -hmm. adaptogens are not that, you know, Um, and then they work through the HPA axis in the brain, which, you know, is kind of how they do all these things. Um, They're sort of a set of true adaptogenic herbs, which is really just about a dozen. And those are like the ones that have been, you know, studied and Um, the term was coined to describe them in the, in the sixties. And then there are these newer, um, not newer plants, but plants that are more newly being considered adaptogenic. And, you know, I think, well, I know that the term it's sexy, you know, everybody's got like stress they want help with. And it became a very, popular term that now gets kind of confused with all herbs you know adaptogens <laughs> and herbs it's like they're not at all the same thing they're you know one small category of a big group and i don't blame anybody for that but i i just love to like you know continue to clarify that we're just talking about a small group of herbs that does a thing that's not better than any of these other herbs and you know when i'm dealing with clients who have stress usually i'm working with nerve you know, cause they want something quick acting and they want it to like, they want to feel it right away. And it's mm-hmm. like, usually that's a Nervine, not an adaptogen, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, could talk all day about that, but hopefully that was clear.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so adaptogens also, you, you know, they work over time too. Like you're supposed to be taking them over a long period of time. That's why Nervines might be more fast acting. And exactly. well, and, and I guess the other reason that they're sexy is because, well, we're overstressed in this, the culture. And I, I kind of like, you get stuck in the fight or flight. Right. And then yeah. like, so the normalizing helps us just come back to a baseline, but still, if you're not yeah. getting rid of the stressors, you're.
1: <laughs> yeah. totally Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've heard herbalists speak to that fact of like, okay, adaptogens are great, but they might be, kind of allowing you to keep in the toxic job or relationship and like you're you're like, I'm feeling okay, but like really, you know, you need to make these fundamental shifts, but they're kind of, they can become like a crutch. It's
2: totally true. Yeah. Like you don't realize you're burning out, Mm, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And what are some examples of the classic adaptogens?
2: Yeah, so the ginsengs, so Panax and American ginseng, Eleuthero, Ashwagandha, Reishi, Shilajit, Cordyceps, mm, codenopsis uh,
0: Yeah, I think so. And yeah. then Rose Root, is that another one?
1: No, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, oh, Rhodiola.
0: Yeah, great that.
1: one. And then, I yeah. think tulsi is one, or is that one of the newer ones that people are like? I think it has that adaptogenic adapt, adaptogenic properties, but yeah, that's
2: one of the newer ones. Yeah, tulsi. Um, what else is newer? I'm, I'm not sure if I remember the newer ones as well. Ma- like maca is like a possible, I think. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, they have these kind of like possible, probable adaptations.
0: I've mm-hmm. I've also heard a lot like. Um, alternatives are like semi like they have some of the same like there are a lot of other plants in the aureliacea the ginseng family Mm -hmm. that also that are alternatives and they're not necessarily adapted like um wild Mm sarsaparilla or uh spike nard like they're alternatives but not i don't know but i i kind of use them similar they help flush out and get rid of stuff Mm -hmm. that is is not you know, so it helps it work better in that way. Yeah. But I guess there, there are a lot of things that can work like, because adaptogens are non-specific and they're, you know, they're, you want specific herbs for, for more specific
1: yeah. things too. Yeah.
0: And yep. you can have, yeah. So how do you usually use uh, adaptogens um, in your work with clients or with yourself?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I often use them to sort of build a foundation Mm. you know so just making sure that it's clear up front that like if you're going to start using ashwagandha this is a commitment and it's meant to be you know used long term uh and we'll do you know we'll do the ashwagandha but then we'll also do some nervines for example to give the real quick relief and then make sure that ashwagandha is like part of the you know protocol for a long time um and that's how i I treat it too you know any of these um And I guess that just kind of is actually how I use them. You know, it's like foundation, they're foundation builders. And then you can reassess, you know, after many months, if you, you know, have changed your state and maybe don't need them again, which I think is, is generally a good goal, actually.
0: Yeah. So the, the main other thing that we wanted to talk with you about is herbal entrepreneurship. You know, you seem to be doing pretty well uh, with your business and, um, you know, that that's like, they're there's a lot of demand now for herbalists um, and there's a lot of people wanting to be herbalists um, and there's a lot of different ways that you can be an herbalist. um, But a lot of people are starting businesses now and they don't know really what to do. Like they, they have skills with plants or with uh, people, you know, or Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, but not necessarily business. (laughs) Yeah. So what are, what are your, like, do you have any, um, you know, tips, advice for people starting out? In in, you
2: know, in an herbal business. Yeah, that's I think that's it's tough to answer that one because like you described, there's so many different skill sets that you might have. And I feel like, you know, the closer you can stay and maybe the closer you can build this business around what you're good at and what you enjoy doing, Mm -hmm. at least initially you know, the more likely you're going to be able to succeed doing it. Right. Otherwise I feel like if you want to build something that you aren't you know, great at, or you don't love doing, and maybe you just want to do part of it, then this has to be, someone else has to do this. Right. And that just requires that you have the resources to pay somebody else to like Mm -hmm. do this other stuff, you know, um, and you can get to that stage, you know, like there, there's definitely stuff that I don't do now because I'm not good at it. And I have a team that does that, but I didn't do that back when I started, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also very sincere because there's, there's also a lot of question about like, how do I position myself and how do I brand my business and how do I, and, and the I th- I think the farther that gets again from who you are and truly really what you have to offer, the more challenging it is to kind of work with that, and it is also a challenge to sort of marry your like business and your brand and your person. But if you can do that in a way, you know that you feel really good about, then it's going to be unique because it's going to be you and it's going to be. Um, it's going to be, you know, feasible, I think, for you to, to kind of execute it, at least initially again, because it's, it's true to who you are and that you you know can and want to do. So that's, it's, it's such a big topic. Yeah, really. Yeah.
1: yeah I think that makes a lot of a sense of like, just sticking t- close to what your skill sets are and who you are and knowing when it's time to like, bring on someone else onto your team, just be mm-hmm. like, you know what this, like finance part is just way too hard from here. Like, I just don't know how to like do my labels. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. So many aspects. Um, so I'm going to bring in like a really cool artist and have them help me with this, you know? Yeah.
2: And maybe it's the, it's an investment up front, but then you'll make it back and it's worth it. And I mean, look, I, I made all my own labels. Like I did all of it at the beginning, you know, like we all, we all, not all of us do, but most of us, I think in, in the herbal business world mm-hmm. do first, you know, and, um, doesn't mean you have to do it forever that's the other thing maybe to keep in mind yeah totally start never want to do my own labels
1: ever again (laughs) hell no you know and it's also more expensive to try to do it yourself like print them from home the ink is so expensive it just makes more sense to like pay a professional printer to do the thing that they're really good at and that's printing (laughs) so forgot about labels (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, And then as far as like, you know, just there's so many tasks as a small business owner and herbalist and you're keeping track of like so many different clients or like products and all of these things like.
0: And social media and social media. (laughs) Yeah. There's
1: just so many aspects of running a business. Like, do you have any tips for how you like structure your day or your week so that you're finding balance with your own like self-care? routine feeding yourself exercise like all of these things like do you have like a rhythm to your days that maybe could be inspiring for other people who are like just feeling like a flail
2: yeah yeah that's um i mean that's major and it's always been really important to me you know if we're 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 preaching health right practicing Mm -hmm. it is is so important um you know, I think I spend a lot of time, you know, f- identifying what is most important for me and for the business to be focused on, because there's always more, there's always more than we can do every single day. In, in my experience, you know, there's just, you're never going to get it all done, mm-hmm. which necessitates prioritizing and being really, really realistic. And that means pretty, like pretty heavy handed with the edits on the to-do list. Like the reality is all this is not going to happen. I'm okay (laughs) with that. And that means that like these two things must happen today, period, Mm. you know? And it's like, it's really, it can be pretty ruthless, but that moves the needle you know, because you actually got the most important thing done and you did it. I mean, imagine if we actually got the most important thing done every day, like that, just that, you know, is really, and, and, and it's just, it's hard because the inbox tells us that we have 12 other things to do. Social media tells us we have 12 other things to do. So the hardest thing is not necessarily doing the one thing. It's not doing all the other things. So I'm constantly like my inbox is off. My phone is like on, you know, block. I tell people on my team, the same thing, like ignore those emails. You ha- we all we have to do is this, and we have to stay focused on this. And that also happens when it's like, okay, I did that thing. And it's whatever time I said I was going to go work out or sleep or whatever, and I have to stop and it's hard to stop. So I think that like, I've actually never summed it up quite that way before, but I would say that's a major practice on a daily basis. Is just like not doing the nine hundred things that say that they mm-hmm. want you your attention, and I'm a big you know fan of like literally the first thing I do when I wake up, which is not what everybody recommends necessarily. Cause I like hop right into work, but I'll like get my herbal coffee, coffee blend, and I'll sit down and I'll do the most important thing right then. And mm. then I'll shut it off and I'll go work out. And then the rest of my day is like mm. taking care of the other stuff that needs to be done. But I did it like first. thing. Wow. That is working currently.
0: <laughs> Love that.
2: So yeah. And just lots of like, really lots of like tech management to just protect yourself so that you can actually focus and knowing the last thing I would say is knowing, you know, what that is. So you got to have to identify ahead of time. Like if I wake up in the morning and I don't know what the most important thing is, like, I'm not going to get it done right away, but if I identified it ahead of, you know, beginning of the month or beginning of the week. So
1: yeah. Triage, yeah. right? Like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, all right, there's a lot of fires going on right now. Which one's the biggest or which one's the one that's going to spread to the house? (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) put out that one first. So, yeah, I think that was like really great advice. And I love what you said about just sort of the hard block on like all of the things that you don't need to do that try to like pull at your attention. Yeah, and right. yeah, with the age of technology that we're in, there's like all of these tools that are often supposed to like help us along mm-hmm. our journey that can just like be time sucks or like take our attention away from the things that are most important. So yeah, like, I guess that's the hard part is identifying what is the, the most important thing. Sometimes, you know, it's like that order needs to go out or yeah. that client needs their formula or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. I really like, so like in two days, I'm going to go on a a little retreat and that'll be a time where I'll take a look at like the next year, you Mm -hmm. know, and and I won't know what I'm going to do every single day, but that will really inform what we're going to do, you know, for the next year or so um, or six months. Sometimes it's hard to plan a year out, but you can start with just like every six months you know do a little brainstorm session and then it just like trickles down and trickles down yeah Yeah. otherwise those six months just are gone right right oh yeah Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's good (laughs) good to have some sort of like you know yearly retreat or more six months retreat or even just like new moons you know yeah
1: yeah that's great
0: yeah Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, that's a really good one totally Mm -hmm.
0: Well, yeah. yeah, this has been a really great conversation so far. Um, we are starting to run out of time. You know, you got to get a walk in before it's totally dark. Um, <laughs> but what, uh, could you uh, say a little bit about uh, your business, where you can find you, um, and if you have any, you know, last words for the the listeners?
2: Yeah. Um... Well, you can find everything on our website. So it's the letter U, the letter R, supernatural.com. So you are supernatural.com. Uh, we have a newsletter, which is a really good way to like stay up to date with new things. And I think a lot of things end up in the newsletter that don't end up on the website or in social media. So it's a very it's like a special little thing. I've one of the earliest things that I ever did was a newsletter. So I really like that. Uh, And then we have our herbal gummies there and some of the, the tea formula that I had mentioned, Um, you know, events are coming back. So it's all there. It's all on the website, you know, Instagram exists too. So you can, you can check us out there. And I would just say that, you know, I just want to say a really warm thank you to you both for having me here. I think there's nothing that compares to the uh, compliment of other herbalists. Uh, and so, being able to to be here with you and, and to talk to you, really, it means a lot to me. So, thank you, and, and thank you for what you're doing.
1: Oh, yeah. thank, thank
2: you,
0: Michelle.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this, we've
0: learned a lot, and yeah, that this is this is the greatest part about being able to do this is like getting to talk to all these different practitioners of mm-hmm. herbalism or whatever and uh, learning, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know,
1: <laughs> learning, and connecting, and yeah. yeah, plant people are are just. So great. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, true. Totally. Well, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. And I encourage everyone to go check out your website and social media. Um, and we'll talk again soon. Thank There's you. More.
2: Bye. Bye. <laughs>